Today's reading is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was raised, or that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I am persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in that is with me, that is with me, whether then it was I or they. So we preach and so you believed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. I'm grateful to be back worshiping with you all this morning. I've missed seeing Lord's Day. I know we've got some things to talk about in the family meeting after church, so we'll just kind of save those comments and things uh, for that time. Uh, But as we begin this new year, oftentimes, as Hugh said, we can look back, we look ahead, and oftentimes when we look ahead, we think about changes that we want to make or things that we want to do differently. Maybe you're there. Maybe you have some weight loss goals or some different things that you want to eat in the coming year. Maybe you want to grow in the things that you do at your job or uh, you have educational goals or maybe you finally are going to check off that box and read the Bible cover to cover in the next year. Could be any number of things. But whether it's, it's a huge resolution or something small and you're just taking one step forward, It's important that we keep one message in view, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the one message that can transform us and invigorate us. It's the one message that can give us hope and assurance. The gospel is the foundation for which we build everything as believers in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to start this calendar year in 1 Corinthians 15, because as the text says, the gospel is the matter of first importance. But before we jump into the text, let's pray. Father, you have already directed our gaze to the one who gave his life for us. And I pray, Lord, this morning as we dig into your word, that you would open our eyes afresh to the wonder of the gospel, to the matter of first importance. And that before we think about anything, may we get the gospel right and keep it in front of us. Not just in 2023, but in every day 
until the day we see Jesus face to face. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, the first point this morning is the gospel is the message worth holding on to. The gospel is the message worth holding on to. If you look at verse 1, now I would remind you, brothers, Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. I don't want to assume that everyone here or anyone listening online understands what I mean when I say the gospel. Because ever since I've become a pastor, I've asked that question of non-believers and believers, and I can tell you the answers are wide and they vary. But the scriptures teach us essentially that the gospel centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ, on who he is and what he has done. So the gospel, rather than being just like one short phrase, has many facets, like a diamond has many facets that you would look at in its wonder and and beauty. And the, the gospel has facets. And one of those facets begins with the incarnation that we celebrate in the month of December, leading up to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, where we celebrate the fact that God became man. We don't We don't worship God that just sits high somewhere else, uh, far away from us that we just have to seek and, and find somewhere. But no, our God became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. And though that's not explicitly stated in this text, it's assumed in this text because Christ had come. And the gospel's about the incarnation, but also about the life of Jesus Christ. Now, secular historians will talk about the fact that a man named Jesus existed. So there's, there's not debate on if Jesus existed, but the gospel teaches us that Jesus did far more than exist as a historical person or as a wise teacher. Jesus lived in perfect obedience to God's law. He he met God's demands that you and I could never meet. And so his life is absolutely important. Oftentimes Christians, we certainly, his death that we'll talk about next is important and significant, but his perfect life was, was that which made him the perfect lamb of God to be the sacrifice. And the blessing that comes with living a perfect life before God is his favor and his blessing. And because Christ went to the cross, we received the blessing of a perfect life because a great exchange took place when Christ died. And that's the next facet, that Christ died. For it says, verse 3 and 4, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He died for our sins. The perfect man took took the, the full and complete wrath of God on the cross for those who had placed their trust in Christ. He was the perfect sacrifice and, and he died on that cross. 
As, as his side was pierced, blood and water flowed. He was taken off that cross and he was buried in a tomb. It was certified. Roman guards were, were brought around that tomb. It was sealed. But he did not stay dead. It says he, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The tomb is empty. There's not a debate about that because no one has found the body of Christ. Why has no one found the body of Christ? Because he's been raised and he's now seated at God's right hand and he's interceding for us. As we walk through the trials of life, he's interceding for us. This message is not some fairy tale. The, the resurrection is a verifiable reality. Look back at the text, starting in verse 5. So after he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. These are, these are people who are not accustomed to seeing dead people walking around. Or seeing someone raised from the dead. They weren't accustomed to that. This was new for them and they would have seen it and they would have known it. And at this time, as Paul's communicating this to the Corinthian believers, it says, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. So at the time that he's writing this, yes, some people who were part of that 500 who had encountered Christ had, had died. But there were still people in this time that could go and find someone who had seen with their physical eyes the resurrected Jesus Christ. It was verifiable to them. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, and as we read in the book of Acts, the first disciples, the apostles, there was no, there was no benefit to them if Jesus hadn't been raised. If Jesus had died and they had a, a dead Messiah because it their lives experienced much trial and persecution. But they were willing to give their lives because they had encountered the risen Christ, the King of the universe. And they gave their very lives proclaiming the message of this gospel. Tim Keller wrote this, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about what he said? But he rose from the dead. And he is coming back again. Jesus is coming back again. Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. He's up there waiting to return. Only the Father knows when he's going to return. But he's coming back. And as I said before, he's interceding for us. And and he's there, and he's going to bring us back to the place that God has prepared. So as we encounter these amazing facets of the gospel, we must ask, are we ready to meet Jesus when he returns? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins? You can do that today. You can do that before you leave today. I'd love to pray with you. Others would love to pray with you. 
But settle that. If there's anything that you settle in 2023, settle your relationship with God. Because there's the free gift. If you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this message of the gospel, it's worth holding on to. Because of the wonder that it is, it's worth holding on to because the gospel is powerful. Paul talks about this powerful encounter with the gospel in his own life. For I am the least of the apostles, he says in verse 9, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Paul is someone who persecuted the church. He was present at the death of some of the early believers. And yet the gospel transformed his life. His encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ transformed his life. And he wanted the Corinthian believers to know that the gospel should have a transforming effect on their life. We need to know that the gospel should have a transforming effect on our lives because the gospel is the only message that can transform the human heart. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Many of you have a story of a life that was changed. When your heart was hard and then it was softened, the wonder of the gospel, you experienced the forgiveness of your sins and you've experienced transformation in your life. And, and this gospel is so powerful, it goes forward not as a result of our efforts, though, the God, though God uses us to share the gospel. It's the power that it, the power is in the message, not in the messenger. And even though we are broken and we struggle, God still wants to use us. As he used the imperfect first century church, he, he wants to use us. But we... Author Milton Vincent really just helps to to give a, a description of this power of the gospel. He said, outside of heaven, the power of God in its highest density is found inside the gospel. This must be so, for the Bible twice describes the gospel as the power of God. Nothing else in all of scripture is ever described in this way except for the person of Jesus Christ. Such a description indicates that the gospel is not only powerful, but that it is, ultimate, it is the ultimate entity in which God's power resides and does its greatest work. Indeed, God's power is seen in erupting volcanoes, in the unimaginably hot boil of our massive sun, and in the lightning speed of a recently discovered star streaking through the heavens at 1.5 million miles per hour. Yet, in Scripture, such wonders are never labeled the power of God. How powerful, then, must the gospel be that it would merit such a title and how great is the salvation it could accomplish in my life. 
if I would only embrace it by faith and give it a central place in my thoughts each day. Paul gave it a central place in his thoughts. Even though he would have been racked with the guilt and shame of the persecution that he had done to the church, so weighed down by his past sins and the affliction that could be there. No, he was aware that God's mercy had been extended to him. And we need to be aware that God's mercy has been extended to us. And we can see God's amazing grace. Because it's God's grace and it's this gospel that we need to strengthen us as we desire change as we desire to grow. It's the gospel that we need because the gospel is the matter of first importance. The gospel is the matter of first importance. Because that's what Paul wanted to remind these believers back in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, in which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being Saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. That's what he's, he's saying. So the gospel isn't, isn't just about the past. It's not just about the future. As some would say, well, you know, I've trusted in Jesus, so I'm good. I've got my life insurance policy. Now, certainly trusting in Christ ensures our place in heaven and uh, the fact that he's going to return and take us home. What the gospel does, our encounter with the gospel does start when we received it. When we received the gospel and trusted in Christ, God did a work in us and changed us. I think about my story. I think about the stories that are, are, are here in our midst of the transformation that has taken place in your life. But yet that transformation isn't just back then and then we move on to something else. Because the gospel is the one that, that, we believe, that we received, but in which we stand. So the gospel is something that happened to us in the past, but then the gospel is something that we need in the present. Because we slip and fall as Christians. We need God's grace every day. And when we are made aware of, of weaknesses or, or failings, we might we go to the place of or ways that we want to grow. Oh, what do I need to do to change? What is it that I need to do? And certainly there's the place of, of taking steps, of making a plan. But when we focus on the resolution, we can miss the glorious reality of the gospel, because regardless of the change that we make, regardless of the progress that we make, our eternity is secure because of what Christ has done. The favor that we experience from God is because of what Christ has done. We're not continuing to earn that. It has been earned. And that's the grace in which we stand. That's the hope that we have that we need to focus on what Christ has done. Because we don't stand because we've made some resolution or we've memorized so many Bible verses. We stand because Christ stood in our place.
and there's an ongoing work. Because in verse 2 it says, and by which you are being saved. Paul's not saying, no, no, you still need to do things to get saved. No, the work is finished. It is finished. That's what Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. But God is continuing to do a work in us. Though you may have seen some significant transformation happen at the time of your conversion or soon thereafter, God is still wanting to conform you to the image of his son. He's wanting to conform me into the image of his son. And so he's going to work those things out in our life, expose things because he is causing us to grow, to bring him more glory. Not so that we can pat ourselves on the back that we've done something, but as we change, as we grow, it points to Christ. It points only to his work in our lives. And the gospel does give us hope for the future because Paul says to hold fast to the word I preach to you. Hold fast to that word. Because when the, when the trials come, when discouragement comes, when the, the darkness of seasons come, when unexpected things happen and come, there's going to be that temptation and he's just like, hold fast. But we need to know that as we hold fast, God is holding on to us. Because Jesus reminded us of that in John 10 when he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they followed me, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am. Father are one. In Christ, God meets us where we are. And we are accepted by Him because of Christ's righteousness. We no longer dread punishment because of Christ's sacrifice. We no longer fear death because Jesus faced death and defeated it when God raised him from the dead and we have hope because he is going to return to take us home. I want to close with a quote from one commentator, Stephen Um, who stated this. The gospel is intended to be the central power around which one's life revolves. If a Christian's life revolves around another person, that other person will inevitably crush that individual. If a Christian's life revolves around himself, he will implode. But if his life is centered around the gospel, then he orbits around the one person who will not crush him. He was already crushed for you. And the believer will not implode because his center of gravity is properly aligned. Friends, as we start 2023, my prayer is that our our center of gravity would be properly aligned because the gospel is the matter of first importance. Let's pray.
Father, it is this gospel that is of greatest importance. And Lord, as believers, we have heard the gospel, we have studied about the gospel, we have memorized scripture that reminds us of the gospel, and we run the risk like every generation of believers that the gospel would be too familiar. Lord, I ask that you would do in us a work that the gospel would would never become too familiar, but that it would always be the deep well in which we come to drink, the place that we come to find peace, the place that we come to find rest, the place that we come to find hope, the place that we come to be reminded that you are working in us because you worked in Christ to pay the penalty for our sins to make us part of your family. So I pray, Father, that we would direct our gaze to the King of Kings because it's his life and work that we need to devote our lives to knowing and living. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand and respond in song?